in a way, it's it's like the old, um, you know, critique of New York Times reporters, Chris Caliza, the savvy school of journalists, people who say people who are in positions of great authority over the discourse, you know, and like um, um, political perception, making cynical pr- pronouncements about what's going to happen and in the process making influencing the those very same outcomes. And so if you're I think, you know. uh, it's fine to be justifiably skeptical of Merrick Garland, who is another, basically an asshole war on crime guy. Uh, But I I think it is pretty disastrously misguided to be super cynical about this in a way that risk creating a self-fulfilling prophecy that like the, the, the previous, um, you know, president tried to overturn, you know, what shreds of democracy we still have by force and fraud and like that matters a lot, even if it's right. Liz Cheney saying it. No, and that's the other thing. So we should push for a white's right no matter what happens. What We shouldn't just assume it'll fail and then not try. That's not a very courageous, politically principled approach to politics. But it's again, it's like the, the, the horseshoe theory, but not ideology in terms of like praxis. Like if you on the one end just assume that people in power will always do the right thing. So therefore, I don't need to do anything. Uh, that ends up functioning the same way as no matter what I do, it'll not work out. And so like those two people are functionally the same politically. And the middle is actually a proper skepticism. No, look at Biden. He's an asshole. Look at Garland. He's an asshole. We need, therefore, to pressure them, right, to do the thing that we want them to do. Uh, and that's the only possible way, right, to get people in power to do something is if, if you push them, right? That's, that's Dr. King's whole point about the white moderate. Yeah. Yeah. And this, I think, ties into another uh, analytical mistake that people made, um, you know, for somewhat justifiable reasons after Bernie Sanders was brought down by, you know, backroom maneuvering. Basically, Obama made a call and that was it. Um, And Warren, you know, didn't line up behind him. But it's the idea that the that the real threat to the left uh, you know, winning any sort of durable power is liberal, like the center left Democrats. It's Obama, Clinton, uh, that type of people. Um, when in fact, like the right is a greater threat. Um, and you know, one of the biggest problems with the left is that the, or the, the, the liberals rather is that they can't fight off the right. Uh, you know, they, um, and so, you know, the, the, the inability to do that is like a big, enables, you know, a sort of permanent victory of Trumpism that that could and may happen in the future. Um, but I think, you know, you, you when this was happening, there are people there, there's a problem, I think, of compulsive scoffing that is revealed uh, here about the right. Uh, when Trump was, you know, saying he was going to, you know, ruin the post office and a clear scheme to try to overturn the election, when he refused to concede defeat, when he was like laying the groundwork for this uh, you know, legal coup and then a fucking uh, a push. People were just, ha ha, you know, nothing's going to come of this. And, you know, the fact of the matter is the, 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 the fascist right is a bigger threat to the left than the liberals are. The liberals are annoying, but they won't kill us. And I think that that would be the eventual effect. It would be, you know, basically what Vladimir Putin has been doing in Russia 
It will be a violent suppression of any kind of uh, leftism or trade unions or anything like that. This is what the far right always does. And while liberals suck in many ways and are terrible, dishonest, they're not going to, to, to carry things to that extreme. And so when you have someone like Biden in charge, you know, and um, that's our sort of only bulwark at the more at the moment against this like terrible threat, uh, you know, we, we got to sort of um, not necessarily stand behind his every decision, but like push him to, to seize the reins of power and like do something to save us, you know, from this this terrible danger. Yeah. So so to be clear. <laughs> It's confusing because this could be read the wrong way, which is to say that just vote harder, right? Which is like no. we're going to do a whole a whole series of discussions and interviews on alternatives to vote harder, uh, because obviously there is this peanut butter and jelly complementarity between establishment Democrats and the fascist right, you know, and and like they're they're a little bit mad that it's the fascist right that they're enabling now instead of like previous iterations of the right, um, but they they've been digging this dynamic, this you know as as Chomsky once said, right? There's only one party, the business party, and it has two wings, and and it matters which of those wings is in power to people's lives like tremendously, but but those two wings really like going together, you know, Uh so, so it's not that like liberals will save the day if you just put establishment Dems in office. Actually, we need to replace them with socialists as much and as often as possible at every level of government we can. And that we need to do all kinds of politics that isn't just putting the right people in office, right? But what we can do with establishment Democrats is try to scare them into doing the right thing while they do have power. And if we don't do that, they definitely will cave to the right. And we will definitely become more and more fascist and authoritarian and lose more and more of our uh, democratic life and rights, you know. So so I, I guess it's just like too nihilistic and cynical to um, to give up the fight at the beginning simply because most of the people in elected office on the left are – neoliberals and establishment Dems who basically would prefer liberal capitalism um, so much to socialism, they would rather empower the fascists rather than the socialists. Like that's, I think that's true. Right. And we need to change that. Um, for, we have to force them to not do that anymore. Right. We need to scare them into thinking that all of their power will go bye-bye unless they start letting the left wing uh, take over as AOC is trying to do. I don't know if, if, if we should maybe mention that she's been like kind of the, the lone wolf, if you will, um, you know, speaking about what needs to be done, both in terms of congressional action, action, executive action, uh, as well as just political rhetoric and leadership. There's just a huge leadership fail right now from, from the liberals. And it's taking somebody like an AOC to, to you know, in a, from a position of, um, elected office to speak out in the way that would maybe mobilize people and would work dynamically to, to change the, the landscape of politics right now in the face of this rising threat, right? Because this is not the last coup attempt, right? Yeah, the, um, they're going to do it again. And and I think this maybe brings up the the question of what needs to happen in response to this. And I think absolutely Trump and all the ringleaders should be prosecuted for a seditious conspiracy and um, insurrection. 
that has, I think the insurrection one has a, a handy property that you're permanently banned from holding federal office. Uh, you know, this, this is what we, what any sensible political party would call a golden opportunity. Uh, you know, oh, my opponents committed tons of crimes. Um, and it's Seriously. really, I think tells, you know, the liberal fecklessness that they can't, you know, pick up a hundred dollar bill sitting on the ground like that. Um, but yeah, you know, I think to the question of like the left's response to this, uh, AOC is a, I think has an excellent nose for, for, um, an opportunity right here. Um, it's, it's just the, it's, it's the case that we're looking at, um, and the, 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 the machinations of Trump and all the committee hearings and stuff that we've been talking about. There's just a huge vacuum of legitimacy in this country. Um, you have the right that's trying to tear down the constitution and like set up a right wing dictatorship, basically. And then you have the left. There's just so, f- it's, it's the, the, the left party, the Democrats, the center left, um, you know, establishment that is so transfixed by its own, you know, stupidity and, and helplessness that they, uh, won't do anything to, to concretely defend this stuff. It's like, what does the constitution mean if the president won't do anything to defend it against like the most blatant attack in the history of, of the, you know, American state. Like what he, he reveals that he doesn't actually believe in it. And so like the rest of his (laughs) voting base, you know, there, there people just fall into despair. It's like, what, what chance do we have if the president won't stand up to it? And, on the other hand, though, that gives you uh, uh, that gives rising leaders a chance, as I think AOC is trying to do. I mean, this is a difficult thing for one person to accomplish. I mean, even if you have like a pretty substantial organization behind you, um, you know, to step into the breach and be like, no, we're standing up for these basic American values. And I think, yeah. um, you know, one last point on the left, you know, there there's such a critique of the United States uh, that is wholly justified in, in, in so many ways that that the United States basically is in bad shape. Uh, it's kind of a bad country. Yeah. I mean, whether it's I because, mean, you know, Corey Robbins, not totally wrong when he said that so many terrible things come from, quote unquote, legal formal processes like the Supreme Court decisions that we've just seen come down. Those, those are technically, quote unquote, legitimate as per procedure, right? According to the constitution that certain people are allowed to make these certain decisions in this branch of government and so forth. But that is just as scary in terms of attacking democracy and, uh, you know, the, the lives of human beings here as is the coup, right? But, but those are, are complementary dynamic reactionary, uh, you know, manifestations that both have to be taken on full force by a true political fight um, that doesn't just assume that everything will go well in the fight. You got to fight anyway, right? Yeah, I think uh, Lincoln's line in a speech in 1854, you know, like basically if we can sort of uh, get rid of slavery, we'll have saved the country and in so so saving it made it worthy of the saving, something like that. Um, and the point being that like, you know, if you're a politician and you're seriously contesting for power, you cannot possibly leave on the table like the 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 great uh, symbols of the national heritage and history, the flag, the Constitution, the, the, the Declaration of Independence, the, the national anthem, all these things. Um, 
you know, which basically you can to some slightly cynical degree, weaponize in your quest for power and therefore make them in reality kind of like the thing you want them to be, which is what Lincoln did with the Civil War. He actually did get rid of slavery and put more stuff in the Constitution to 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 make it. And I think that that is the kind of political imagination that is totally absent on the left and the center left. You know, the only people with the energy are on the right. But they're, you know, they're throwing aside the national institutions. They're trying to destroy it. Any kind of trace of freedom, equality, Republican institutions, small R Republican, that is. So it's like, you know, somebody could step in there. Biden could mm -hmm. probably do it if you're 20, 30 years younger. But, um, you know, it's there. That's the end of the preview, folks. As usual, we like to mention that this podcast is sponsored by the American Prospect Magazine. So if you want to listen to the whole thing, uh, you can subscribe at $5 a month. If you want that plus a free subscription to the website, uh, plus the opportunity for a steeply discounted print subscription, you can do that if you so wish at $10 a month. And uh, otherwise, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.